0: Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Restless Store. If you haven't already, you can go to therestlesspodcast.com and click on the store tab to find all of the restless swag you have wanted, with more being added all the time. You've heard us mention shirt ideas on the show, and now you can own them. Restless logo shirt, women need pastors too, ecclesiology matters, and now... Available for the very first time, the Nuance shirt. Do you always pick Nuance? Well, then this is the shirt for you. Once again, to support the show, go to therestlesspodcast.com, visit the store tab, and get yourself something neat. This is Tim Keller
1: Watch. Welcome back to what is apparently becoming a sub-podcast of the Restless Podcast, Tim Keller Watch. I am the host.
0: Should we we get a spinoff? We probably
1: should at this point with how frequently we'll be doing this segment, Pastor Michael. I am the host of Tim Keller Watch, Matt, joined by the pastor of Tim Keller Watch, Pastor Michael. We normally are doing the Restless Podcast, but we are here once again doing Tim Keller Watch. Pastor Michael... If you had to explain to a friend what Tim Keller watch is, what would, how would you describe it?
0: Tim Keller watch is when Matt reads a tweet that he doesn't like from Tim Keller and he sends it to me and then says, Hey, we got to talk about this. <laughs> so that's, Let me just that's say what Tim Keller watches.
1: It's definitely not a tweet. Matt didn't like by Tim Keller. It's a tweet that the entire internet didn't like. And <laughs> it it <Tim> is very <laughs> often that you're not alone. That that Tim Keller then spent a week defending on Twitter. Because actually, Tim Keller, uh, on April 26th, actually tweeted something that we often send to our audience with a yay, nay, or nuance and see how people vote. So Tim Keller posted this tweet. He said, churches must not maintain unity at the expense of the gospel. Churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. Um, I thought that that was an interesting tweet. I am a nay to that. But that is actually not the point of today's episode. We could have done an episode on that because our audience was actually very split on what to make of that tweet. And I think that is a tweet that there probably would have just been in general discussion and disagreement about. In fact, in our patron telegram group, there were people, I think, making a good case for both sides, yay or nay, of this tweet. And the poll I almost posted was, Yay, nay, our nuance. Tim Keller will spend the rest of the week defending this tweet. And I thought that was too mean. And then it happened. And so we are here back on Tim Keller Watch. And tonight, this, this uh, thread became so contentious. We are not alone, Pastor Michael.
0: No, we have a whole party, a whole crew with us we, today. This is, I, this is the, the most people that we've ever had on an episode of Restless before.
1: So we are joined by three veterans of Restless here to join us for this Tim keller Watch Roundtable. We have... You almost said rot. <laughs> <laughs> so you just heard the voice of David, our often book review friend, which we may be taking up again together. David, how are you doing tonight?
2: Doing well, thank
1: you. And you? We are doing great. I have cracked a strong drink to help me make it through this Tim keller watch. We are joined... Again, I'm on water. I, I gotta keep my wits about me. <laughs> that's that's a good plan. We are joined by our friend of the Bovink persuasion, Andrew Smith. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's good to be with you again. And we are joined by a no longer first-time caller, longtime listener, Peter Gehries. How are you doing tonight, Peter? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So. We just need to get into it, and so the only way I think to read a tweet thread with this larger group of people is have us each take turns reading a tweet. It's so
0: awkward. I. (laughs) It's so it's such an awkward
1: way to do it, but I also love it. I love it, and currently, as the host of Tim Keller Watch, it's my opinion that matters about the format. And so, if the Gospel Coalition can attempt the CNNification of their content, I can attempt to turn this into a functioning round table. And so I will read the first tweet and we will just each take turns reading a tweet as you feel led. So we'll get everyone's voice here on the podcast thread. I recently wrote about how churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. The replies show that many American evangelicals have no coherent understanding of how to relate the Bible to politics. Here's the original tweet. He shows the original tweet.
0: Here are two biblical moral norms. One, it is a sin to worship idols or any God other than the true God. And two, do not murder. If you ask evangelicals if we should be forbidden by law to worship any other God than the God of the Bible, they'd say no.
3: We allow the terrible sin to be we allow that terrible sin to be illegal. But if you ask them if Americans should be forbidden by the law to abort a baby, they'd say yes. Now, why make the first sin legal and never talk about it and the second sin illegal and a main moral and political talking point?
2: At the very least, it shows a lack of knowing how to apply the Bible to politics. Since we can't simply say Quote, if the Bible says it's a sin, it should be illegal, unquote. How do we choose which morals to politically champion? Please don't say, I just want to see the 10
4: commandments made law in society. That's too simplistic, and we don't do this already. The Bible tells us that idolatry, abortion, and ignoring the poor are all grievous sins. But it doesn't tell us exactly how, how in all caps,
1: We are to apply these norms to a pluralistic democracy. We are to help the poor, but the Bible doesn't tell us which political strategy, high taxes and government services versus low taxes and private charity to use. The Bible binds my conscience to love the immigrant, but it doesn't tell me how, again in all caps, many legal
0: immigrants to admit to the U.S. Every year. I I know (laughs) abortion is a sin, but the Bible doesn't tell me the best political policy to decrease or end abortion in this country, nor which political or legal policies are most effective to that end. The current political parties will say that their policy most (laughs) aligns morally with the Bible, but we
3: are not, but we are allowed to debate that. And so our churches should not have the disunity over debatable political differences, exclamation point. It is also why I would never publicly or privately told Christians who they should vote for. I have also never told anyone they should vote
2: Democrat or Republican. Depending on the policy, we can find more or less alignment with biblical morals. I believe all Christians should be active in politics, but it is unwise to identify Christianity with any particular party. For more, see, and then a link to a New York Times article he wrote in 2018.
4: And then his follow-up response from a little later, sigh, people are focusing on the example abortion is physical harm and not the principle. You can do the same object lesson about gay marriage. Why codify that moral in law and not others?
1: Well, everyone, we are here with some radio pros with how they (laughs) masterfully took us through that picking up on sentences that were left off. So if you were able to follow that tweet thread in pure audio, it is a great credit to the men on this panel tonight. And so I have great confidence in us. Um, I had to mute myself to avoid laughing at certain points. And so I think the only thing for us to do now is as we are here for yay, nay, or nuance on this thread, let's figure out where we're all starting. And if we are, if we may move, there's no shame in moving. Um, but there might be some shame in choosing Nuance, Pastor Michael, because we will be giving away restless merch from here on out every time Pastor Michael chooses Nuance. It still might be the right thing to do, right, Pastor Michael?
0: I, there may be times I just have to bite the bullet and Nuance, as I would never otherwise do, <laughs> just to get us, get us some uh, a good uh, restless merch to our fans. All right,
1: Pastor Michael, then why don't you kick us off? To this thread, the thread in its entirety, to the best of your ability, yay, nay, or nuance.
0: Yeah. So I guess um, even though I've read it now a couple of times, I'm not, I am not fully clear on what Keller's argument exactly is. Um, so I, I guess I'm not. It's difficult for me me to yay, nay, or nuance the entirety of this thing. Uh, but I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to say nay. I'm going to start at a nay, and we'll see if I can be convinced otherwise, uh, moving forward. Uh, but here's why: just a, a few things that stick out. Um, nope, that... nope, we're
1: not going to let you explain. Oh, we're it. not. Okay, we're no going to Let everyone that. give okay. it. Yeah,
0: but it does sound like someone
1: might win a t-shirt
0: <laughs> <laughs> if someone wants to push him. So,
1: Peter, where are you starting with this thread? Uh, I would say
3: my answer was where am I at? I'm confused. But I would. I'm going to just just for the sake of uh, conversation and debate, I'm going to go yay.
1: Oh, okay. David, uh, where are you starting from tonight? Started with a yay. Wow! All right, Andrew, bring us home. What? Where are you starting from? I am a nay. Am, am I? I'm making the rules to this panel, so I guess I will also give an answer. Uh, I'm not playing an impartial moderator. I am a a hard nay i was a nay with the original tweet which we can discuss um in another in another time but i am a nay to this thread and so well this is great this is three to two this is a interesting what a great panel everyone if you're listening right now feel free to clap unless you're driving in which case uh just imagine the applause that i may edit in at this point all right let's hear from our two yays. We will. We will let the minority begin. Um, David, why don't you start, and then we'll go to you, Peter.
2: Um. So uh, when he when he posted the original, I do have to confess the the original one was so vague, my inclination was nay. Uh, I do think he clarified enough what he was getting at to give it a yay. Um. And the Great. the it, it largely revolves around how he's defining the word politics, and he seems mm-hmm. to define politics in terms of the, uh, pra- the, the pragmatic um, um, use, or, sorry, the, the pragmatic um, decisions making, uh, how one should go about achieving a political end, and if one should uh, try to achieve a particular political end on an issue. Um, and I guess I picked up on the pragmatic that's where I say, uh, yes, those pragmatic differences should not be divided over. I do have to emphasize that when he says that uh, we can't divide over the expense of the gospel, I I also think he was a bit more expansive. That's going to include theology, Christology, soteriology, a few other things, and that we should not divide over.
1: Um, So there you go. All right. Peter, uh, do you want to I mean, you're welcome to add to that or, or agree with that in substance if there's, if, but is there anything you'd want to add or what I would agree. costs you, Yuri?
3: Yeah, yeah I would agree. Uh, I, I, I think what he's trying to, trying to do is, is state that politics is a very messy business mm-hmm. and it is, it is a very challenging for a, a pastor or someone who is takes some fairly absolutist views on some very important topics to weigh into that space and do so uh cleanly and so i I think that's what he's trying to trying to navigate there and he's and he's going to be deferring to um you know deferring to christian liberty a little bit on on some of those issues i think that 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 term is 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 way too wide often in these debates but i certainly think it's got a place and so that's why it's that's why i said yay is that he's he's trying to do that Ultimately, though, I I think if there's always going to be a problem when when you're when you're taking not Christians, but a Christian who is a herald of the gospel and asking him to
1: make political judgments, that is
3: always going to be difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think what's it's what's funny about this uh, situation is David's mentioning that um, he was a yay to the original tweet because of what he suspected Tim Keller was saying. I was a I was, nay. I was a, I was a nay on the
2: original.
1: Oh tweet. no, a nay, and he clarified it enough. Sorry, yeah. because of what I suspected, I was a nay, and then as he clarified it, I went. I didn't think I, I didn't think I could go further nay, but he's I'm I'm here. So Michael, uh, why don't you tell us um, what what your inclination, where the reasons you were going to share for us. That you're starting with nay on this thread.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do everything I can to keep me myself out of nuance, uh, and go as hard as I can. Uh, but well, I probably won't do that. But uh, there's a couple of things that stuck out in this thread anyway to me. And again, I'm so when we uh, originally, you know, kind of discussed in our, you know, various uh, chat groups, especially our restless Patreon group, uh, when we discussed, uh, this original tweet, I said that I was, uh, yay on that tweet. Um, and specifically then like, but I want to, you know, define, uh, his, I want to define what political difference are, what, what that means. Um, and, uh, it's going to probably look different than what I think Tim Keller means. He right. offered so, two,
1: he offered two examples. Yep. So here's <laughs> right. So,
0: Sorry. so when he gets into the, he tried examples, to fix so, it at the end with another political right. example. So uh, this is where um, I think it, uh, it breaks down. Number one, there, you know, I, I don't know if I just read it this way, but it, there seems to be a kind of condescension that comes across that anybody who disagrees with this, obviously just like, they don't know how to consider what the Bible says about politics, which like in, in my experience, I, I mean, I know a lot of the people that disagree with this and they disagree with it because they have, like, they spend a lot of their time thinking about what the Bible says about politics, right? So, you know, like just the, there's a, there's a condescension element that automatically just, it puts me off, right? It puts me on, on the other side thinking, okay, I don't, I don't love the sound of this. That's maybe more of a rhetorical uh, piece. Um, Then when you get into the examples um, and specifically, I won't even deal with the, you know, the idolatry issue. Although, so when he when he brings up, you know, idolatry versus uh, abortion, um, and, you know, talks about why is one? Well, we're going to bring it up. We yeah. are
1: going to we are going to drag Peter and David right through that in a little bit. Don't <laughs> worry.
0: <laughs> Matt, Matt is ready to go. hard. It's it's a it's a late night restless. So Matt's ready to go hard. Um, I'm not ready to go so hard yet. But uh, let's so I'll just jump over those then because I, I think, uh, you know, it, it'll be brought up. But the main thing that I would want to say is when you bring up the issue of abortion as a political difference and then specifically talk about, OK, well, I don't tell people who to vote for. Right. Democrat or Republican, which I also do not. Right. Like I, I don't uh, I generally as a pastor anyway. Right. Like as a as part of my pastoral function, I will, like, I'll gladly tell people my political views if they want to talk about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to talk politics. I enjoy talking politics even, uh, but I'm not going to stand in the pulpit and say that, you know, for this particular politician is who you need to vote for, or this particular politician is who you should never vote for under any circumstance. Um, however, there, there. they does come a line that I'm willing to cross when it comes to something like abortion, which I would not put in the area of, you know, uh, a political concern or a political difference, right? This is a, this is a a whole another matter um, because we're dealing with uh, the actual life of our neighbor. And uh, when dealing with that, especially when it's held up as, okay, this is a political difference between Democrat Republican. The problem is that you have um, on the one side, I'm not I'm not going to go and defend one party in this case, because the Republican Party is very soft on abortion. Actually, Um, there are elements of the Republican Party that are very anti-abortion. There are some that are very soft on abortion at best. Right. And uh, so and increasingly so, it seems like there are elements within the Republican Party that are that are uh, accepting of at least some elements of abortion. Uh, Go ahead. But. To, to compare um, two parties, one that is explicitly pro abortion um, to 40 weeks, you know, I mean, like to to an extreme that is not seen basically anywhere else in the world, even those places that are, you know, uh, fairly pro abortion, um, like in Europe, um, that like, it, it's a it's a very extreme. And then you know, another party that at least pays lip service oftentimes to saying we shouldn't have this. Those, It's just not, you know, the same thing. Now, you know, again, I'm not here to defend one party over the other necessarily. I just think when you are trying to uh, make the point that we should not be dividing over political differences, um, this is is not uh, an area, this is maybe an area where, you know, if you go back uh, a few decades, the country is a lot closer on the, mm. the different parties, the different people you might vote for, they, they're a lot closer on the moral issues. Um, whereas we're in a time when those moral issues are actually massive dividing markers, not necessarily along party lines, but definitely along different kinds of political lines. And so that's why I just, I, I have to say, Nate, because I think that uh, overall, <laughs> um, the way that he is pushing forward and arguing is is problematic
1: we're going to be have to be careful when we go to that panelist to make sure all the other, especially the yay panelists get a, get equal time here. I think you bring up one of the, the valid points. I think both David, Peter, and perhaps Tim Keller at his best are trying to get at is that we actually don't want a partisan church, right? We don't want to, we don't want a partisan church and that there would be, there is a place. And I'm I'm saying this as someone I'm trying to agree. um, There is a place for, Differing political solutions that are not that we don't want to like we don't want to sever the church over. But again, I, I, I'm I'm in large agreement.
2: Yeah. So when when you say you agree dividing over differences and are you defining that in terms of churches should divide with churches, congregations should be pushed out of presbyteries, people should essentially be, be asked to leave or should be encouraged to leave? At, at what level are you saying? Yeah, I th-
1: I think, that, i think that um i think that there are political actions you can take that would make you a viable candidate for church discipline if unrepentant on whatever level that would be appropriate and so there is a for the purity and unity of the church that that is a that should be on the table that would be that would be where i'm going um with when i say that now so no one thinks i'm crazy no one at our church i've never asked anyone at our church who they vote for i've never asked like i you know i'm not out searching for anything um and and we can bring up those kinds of pragmatics uh of what that might actually look like later but andrew tell us about your nay before i scare you off the nay um
4: yeah i'm a nay um i'm i'm a solid nay i'm i'm not scared um good. <laughs> I, I approach it, I think, from something a little more fundamental, even beyond just looking at like the particular American political implications of this statement. What I see going on in this thread that that leads me to nay it, that leads me to reject it, is it seems like there is some conflating of categories um, regarding law, regarding morals and ethics that. That someone like Tim Keller, as a minister in the Presbyterian Church in America, who holds to the Westminster standards, like should know, and I'm sure he does know, but he's not really making clear here things like the distinction between the first and second tables of the law and how reformed political theology has developed in terms of you know why we might want the magistrate enforcing the second table of the law, but not the first table. Mm-hmm. There's also some clear biblical teaching regarding issues of like murder and warranting capital punishment. There's texts like Genesis chapter nine uh, that talks about for the uh, for the blood of a man, blood will be shed. And if we're consistent about abortion as murder, which forms the basis for Uh, most, if not all, Christian objection to abortion. There's things the Bible tells us about murder and how murder is to be handled in the civil sphere. We see that come back in the New Testament in texts like Romans 13, where it talks about the magistrate bearing the sword. So I think what's happening is Keller is failing to make some distinctions that he should in some categories and kind of just trying to lump things together together that really don't go together mm-hmm. just to kind of make things maybe murky and maybe kind of try to, I mean, I don't want to speculate too much into the intention behind this, but, but maybe to, to make things a little more blurry than they actually are. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think that yeah. this brings up perhaps my secondary, one of my secondary general reasons for being a nay here is as a reformed Christian. I mean, you hear an Andrew's answer, There are orthodox and unorthodox positions on civil government. There are things the Bible directly says, and we've enthroned in our confessions on what they are to do. And therefore, I do think there are things that can so violate scripture's teaching that make fellowship on a level impossible. Now, I will say the one part of this uh, thread that I think is probably in large part true, um, but... I think God's grace has covered a lot of these problems is that I think in general, yes, we as evangelicals do not have a coherent understanding of politics and the Bible. I think that that is is true. But I think based on what Tim Keller then shares in this thread, I think he is included in that group. And so Peter, David, before we uh, start looking at a few sections of these tweets that as people are interested in, in going through parts, uh, do you guys want to clap back as it were at the nay participants of the panel
2: yeah i i I just want to clarify i'm responding to his tweets i agree with you i also think tim keller probably does not know how to apply the bible to politics.
1: right yes no Uh, you you are not you do not have to defend everything written in generous justice or i will not be pulling up tons of gotcha quotes from i (laughs) i believe i believe these tweets are quite enough Uh, but yes nope you're right this is you are defending this thread that's right Peter, any thoughts?
3: Yeah, and I, I, I would also say that I'm not sure that Tim Keller' uh, Twitter theology is is serving him or us particularly well. I guess I would have one question. You talked about um, church discipline uh, for political actions, mm-hmm. just to help help maybe me me understand that, maybe others as well. Uh, would that be actions of just a Christian voting or Supporting a cause or would that be the actions of a politician, someone who is in political political authority and what they were doing. I mean, maybe and, and I think I think I know your answer, but just to maybe help clarify that, clarify your position.
1: It's a good question. I think, um, and I'll let Andrew and Michael, I want to let them differ with me there if they so desire. I think that um, church discipline is an inherently a personal matter, and so it would definitely matter on the case, but I think uh, I think it'd be healthy for the church and probably good for the culture. If we went ahead and church disciplined everyone in political office currently supporting abortion, I think that would be a pretty good place. Like and so I'm, 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 I'm taking a, like a very clear, I'm looking, I'm again, for church discipline to go through, it needs to be very clear, very, um, unrepentant. Right. So a person who, um, maybe has, um, I think has issues with how they're understanding the political process and makes decisions I wouldn't, or I think are wrong. It's harder to get them. It is very easy to get people who are currently working to enthrone abortion in law murder as a legal practice in America. Michael, uh, Andrew, do you guys either want to, do you want to depart from me or, or add further clarification?
0: Yeah, just to clarify too with discipline, when you think about discipline, you know um, I think we jump right to, you know, okay, well, somebody voted for a democratic politician. Okay. They're kicked out of the church. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. I think this is what you mean, Matt, by a personal matter. Um, somebody clearly has an unbiblical view of what is acceptable. Uh, and so we talk to them, right. We work with them, we exhort them, we encourage them. Um, and over time, if this turns into a hard and unrepentant, uh, you know, uh, willingness to continue in uh, that, sinful uh that sinful belief or sinful act then that is when you know church discipline becomes more severe and
1: those so, cases would have to be pretty obvious and disruptive to the yeah, church because right. there is right there's no church like we need to check who we voted for andrew before we let david ask another question andrew do you want to uh add any add any differ or add your voice here
4: yeah i i I'm I'm with you. I I think it's a matter of well, like, for instance, on voting for one thing, like I don't even know if or how we would ever know how our congregants vote. You know, one of the things we have in America is a secret ballot. But if someone was, you know, participating in pro abortion activism, like going to the rallies or like making public statements, public posts on social media, then. then yeah, this is um, this is something that where this person needs to. Needs to be admonished, needs to be encouraged, and, and taught. Hopefully, so that they would they would turn from that position. But then, yeah, if they persist in it, then yeah, this this does become a matter of of discipline and,
1: and beyond. David, were you gonna jump in?
2: Yeah, I was gonna ask another question. Uh, so part of the problem is politics is so complex. So let's take for instance the issue of a politician who is uh, is opposed to abortion. Uh, as a moral matter, yet votes for an omnibus bill that includes pro-abortion policies as part of it, because no, no piece of legislation that comes before Congress these days is clean. It's, that's just a, that's just the fact of life. If yeah. you wait for the perfectly clean bill, you will abstain from all votes, and you may as will not show up. Right.
1: Yeah. No. I th- I think that part of the reality. I think again. I think there. I think we are just at such a point. In, in, a, in the Western culture where there are such clear and obvious examples of people taking fundamentally anti-Christ positions on this that it's actually not that hard. I think that there would be plenty of hard cases that we would want to work with people on and discuss. Um, I just think that there are so many obvious clear-cut cases that just require the a degree of moral clarity that for some reason we can't get in this tweet thread. Um, That's, that's my point is so I, again, I think that's why all that's why all discipline starts with discussion, you know, like of, of, of your level of awareness, your, you know, your motivations, right. Those, all things, all those things matter in moving forward. So, all right, let's go to this first section here where Tim Keller is worried about, what it would look like to impose the Ten Commandments. And so I will let everyone speak to this. I will give my two cents on this and then toss it out to anyone who's interested. I am shocked we're confused by this. I don't know anyone confused. I don't even know people who, like the general evangelical doesn't, maybe his point is they don't have a reason why they want to enforce one but not the other. But But the shocking thing is that their instinct is right. They want to enforce, as Andrew was talking about, the second table and not the first. They have a good instinct. And and even the theonomists, who I don't think anyone um, on our panel is a theonomist, which is potentially a, a miss on our part. Sorry, theonomists, you're not going to be res- represented. Even theonomists, who I think are confused about these things of the role of the state, they still understand there's a difference between sins and crimes. I mean, it's just such a, it's a category that we, what the civil magistrate has been given to to enforce and what they haven't been given to enforce is, is not something that is, I really think, at issue. I don't know. I'll let everyone else speak to this.
2: Yeah, I, I think he picked the wrong two examples because you can easily cleave that along the first and second table uh, division. It would have been better for him to argue adultery and murder because adultery is not legal. I don't think any... Evangelicals have much stomach for making it illegal. It's clearly a second table issue. It clearly causes social harm. It clearly uh, leads to all kinds of bad outcomes. Um, uh, It's clearly in the civil sphere. It's not a purely church oriented thing. He should have went with that one. I think that would have made his argument stronger.
1: And and I will say, I think that's because here's the problem. I think he's saying what he means, right? This is part of the problem. I do think your argument is stronger, David, without a doubt. It's at least draws a much better question the problem is, is this is why i'm I, i've been i was i'm losing my mind over the start is i think he's saying what he means right these that this well we have to have room there has to be latitude for these things in the church that's this is why i'm losing my mind but let me again sorry i'll go back to moderating this thing and they, uh andrew you're, looks you're like just you're excited, yeah. <laughs>
4: It, well I would, I would think even if he did use adultery as an example like as far as well nobody really wants to make adultery illegal well something we have to reckon with is that until fairly recent history in most places adultery was illegal mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correctly this wasn't really not a thing until the 20th century and I don't think it would be a problem if we were to go that way again as a society to have laws, to have crimes and punishments based on adultery. Um, I think more the problem with adultery is just the, you could almost say the seared conscience of our society, how it's become so desensitized to adultery that it thinks it's something that doesn't need to be or even shouldn't be viewed on that level i'm not so sure the problem is with wanting to legislate those things so much as it reflects on where we're at as a society
1: and and ironically i think i'm very consistent in saying neither should be tolerated in the church right promotion and you know either should be uh, tolerated in the church regardless of what happens in the wider culture but david or peter do you guys want to uh talk further about these this this section of the thread
3: picking up when i andrew said i think it was um breitbart that said that politics is downstream of culture
1: hmm.
3: and so you know the seared conscience of our culture is a much bigger you know a much bigger issue than than the, than some of these political political matters um and that we're we're, we're our politics is in such a state because our culture is in such a state.
4: Hmm. Yeah. But I think for Christians too, it's also important to keep in mind that our politics are downstream from our biblical ethics. And, you know, what do we believe that scripture teaches about these things? And I know some try to separate them. Some try to sever them. Um, You know, there's teachings and doctrines that try to try to drive a wedge between what we believe personally and ethics And, uh, and what we believe in politics, you know, I'm a Bob Inc guy and I like sphere sovereignty and those kind of things. So I, I don't think they can be so neatly separated. What Uh, we believe about biblical ethics and what the Bible teaches about morality is, is going to influence our politics, even if we may not want it to, or may not think it does.
3: And I completely agree. I think the problem that our political leadership has, if they are, you know, convicted by their Christian uh, beliefs, is that they can't stay in the political sphere for that long. Mm-hmm. They have to go in, do do the best they can, and probably need to retreat because if you stay in there long enough, you will eventually be forced
1: to compromise. Mm-hmm. David, what do you think?
2: Um, yeah, no, I agree that a uh, Christian. Uh, a Christian's morals, ethics, and politics has to be influenced by uh, biblical norms and theology. The issue with politics is politics is the art of the possible.
4: Mm.
2: Uh, so, like, take for instance, would 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 it be Christian and biblical for adultery to be once again made made illegal and punishable by the civil magistrate? Yes. Is that possible in our current society? There's just no way, never going to happen. Um, and so you have to, as a, when you're dealing with politics, you, you, okay, what is possible to be done? What mm. what can be done? Uh, you know, take for instance, um, on our uh, Telegraph thread, uh, I think I annoyed everybody by being the pessimist on the current Roe v. Wade thing. Uh, people pointed out to me, well, you know, the you know, it seems to be possible at this point to to um overturn row. And and I concede the point. My issue is is that after that, what what is now possible? Is it is it actually possible to push that towards an actual reduction in abortions? And I just see too many ways for that to not happen.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
2: I don't have a lot of optimism in our society that that will actually happen. Um, but like you know, like people point out, you know, it is possible to do one. Um, but, you know, again, can, can you actually bring it all the way to the end goal of making abortion uh, either non-existent or, or maybe extraordinarily rare? You know, there's, you know, this people generally have extreme cases in which they're going to say, okay, well, you know, we'll make exceptions here. Um, um, you, like, to, uh, take, for instance, Britain. I, I heard British people discussing this. And, and they just kind of chuckled and they said, well, this isn't even, a, like, this isn't even an issue here. It's not even up for debate. How you know? So if a British Christian wants to be anti-abortion, not even a possibility for them given given their circumstances. That's what you have to deal with the politics. Yes, you have your ideals. What what if that is possible to be made into reality?
1: Yeah, and I think that is a good point, which I think is kind of the heart at the kind of next segment of his tweets that I will I will interact with there. But I do want to give it give Pastor Michael and and Warren another chance to weigh in um, on these yes. issues it, yes you can uh, hear you Warren
0: wanna, you can hear him in the background um, either he's, very, he's pretty the, worked up about this
1: yeah if you either want to weigh in on the first um, grouping of tweets
0: or just the conversation as we've been having it I guess I don't really know what the first grouping exactly is but based on I mean with the conversation that we've been having this is where um, you know I'm I'm not ready to nuance it because I still think that that keller there there's a a fundamental weakness um at the level of you know uh we should not divide over politics i think there are obviously times when we should we've talked about that a little bit um but to the point of like political pragmatism right he i think this is, I, I think it's a confused thread because I think he shifts a little bit or at least, you know, shows that, you know, what he's been saying isn't quite exactly um, at least how it reads. Um, and maybe this is the next portion as you're talking about where he says, I know abortion is a sin, but the Bible doesn't tell me the best political policy to decrease or end abortion right. in this country. Yep. Uh, and and that is right. Like that is true. Like that is a true fact. Um, you know, we can uh, agree that abortion is wrong. We agree it's murder. We can agree that like there are, things that the Bible says about murder and that we could apply in some way today um, to our governmental policies. Um, However, the exact right, like, you know, vote for this politician uh, because this is going to lead to the most effective, you know, way of ending this that's not, you know, prescribed uh, in the scripture. And so there's something true about that for somebody like Keller living in New York, where like you, like, it's not like you're going to get a conservative Christian political candidate in office, you know? And so somebody like that, you know, this has come up in the past that Keller is a registered Democrat. And he said, well, like, if I'm not a Democrat, I can't, like, I can't influence anything, right? Like I can't, I can't choose the lesser of two evils when it comes to these Democrats. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that exactly, but at least I at least understand that, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so I think this—I think it, this is the next section of his thread that I think gets at um, David's point, which I, I think again, there there is a real there is there is real truth to um, the inherent there is an inherent level of pragmatism required in political politics because fa- what faithful a faithful Christian would look like, um, you know, I'm just thinking even about our Telegram group in New York City, in Wisconsin, in Texas. I mean, we can go overseas to Australia, um, you know, friends in in countries where uh, Christians are persecuted minorities, of course, are not are not the same. And And they shouldn't be, you know, and so right, even when he is asking this question of I don't know what the best way to decrease abortion in America is, um, I think it's it's I think it's pretty shocking that someone would argue that like, hey, making it illegal, <laughs> you know, like would like getting uh, getting uh, is not a is not a place to start. But even if if someone even if there was a candidate that said I want to make it illegal, and someone says I don't want to vote for them for all these reasons, that's even I'm not even saying that's out of bounds, right? What I'm saying is that, you know, let's use his example of poverty, right? We're not given a specific political strategy to help the poor, right? Let's let's take that for granted. Well, I actually think the differences in a lot of the American political discourse, at least on a popular level, I hope not in the church, is one party is saying um, we have this specific, you know, maybe, you know, we think individuals individually should help the poor. And it would be like if the other party was saying, actually, we have a great solution for homelessness. We should just kill all the homeless people. Like this, I think this is the stark differences we're talking about. I don't think we're talking about like, who's going to run the food pantry best, who's got the best tax system. I think we're saying, I'm going to eliminate poverty through murder. And actually, I don't even think that's a hypothetical. I think that's literally what we are trying to do with abortion. I think that is in large part, how that is couched. And so this is this is what I mean when I say, just because something is done in the political sphere doesn't mean I can't call it out as a fundamentally sinful um, Christian position. And I think the same thing actually ironically is about uh, Obergefell and marriage, which is his secondary um, attempt to save to save, the principle which apparently was so good that his example just happened to be um so bad but that that's where i'm at with this and i will um i will now shut it up i will now shut up because i think that's mostly the good points if i have any to bring to this issue so let's throw it to the to the yeas we can throw it to peter or david to respond or talk through this this second half here you're up peter oh great you know uh yeah
3: i I guess I'll just go back to what i've what I've said previously this is this is such a challenging medium in these tweets to try to convey some of this and i just i just don't think it holds up you know it 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 just doesn't it doesn't work i i i believe in his pastoral heart what he's trying to say and so i'm i'm, I'm gonna give him credit for that but um and that's why I said yay but the the outworking of this is just not it's just not working, and and I, I my the question I keep coming to on some of these these Tim Keller tweets, which we talk about all the time, is is what are we what is he trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. What is the 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 goal of this? If it's trying to be relevant on Twitter, that's that's a really poor goal for someone with such a distinguished career as he has had and distinguished pastorate. And if it's if it's and, and as is I I believe there's either some someone that's helping him or you know someone that's trying to make him an influencer and
1: it's just just it's not going
3: to work it's not working
1: pastor keller peter and everyone loves you <laughs> and doesn't think doesn't think twitter is working out david do you want to add to that
2: yeah so it always swirls back to abortion. Uh, honestly, I think part of the problems that, that Christians have with politics is that they've been so focused on abortion to the exclusion of everything else. Like there, there is no Christian thought or position on almost any other uh, any other economic or political issue that I can think of. That deals us a very, very severely limited hand uh, in terms of negotiation, in terms of worldview, in terms of uh, ability to operate whatever. And and I'm I'm gonna be like one of the things that I've come to the conclusion to is even Christian position on abortion tends to be morally muddled. So, give you a quick example. So you 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 say the best way to make abortion stop is to make it illegal.
1: So question. At least that's a part that that, that should be a clear part of the solution. Yep. Should.
2: Everybody has agreed on, on the religious right that those who cause abortions should be punished. Do you also assert that any woman who procures an abortion should also be punished?
1: Yep, I would. Okay. And I know the religious right is not. Uh, they, they are uniformly against that. Doesn't have the, uh, probably doesn't have the guts to, to take that very unpopular view
2: correct and i I would also yeah yeah so that's that's your problem that's a problem not your problem that's a problem
1: go ahead andrew what were you gonna say
4: um i I would also affirm that because i mean i think if we are morally consistent at the very least i mean it would be something akin to procuring a murder for hire and should be treated as such right
1: yeah i because i i again i think the point i'm trying to come back to and maybe this is what um you guys can talk me out of if if you can talk me out of it is I think the question we're dealing with in so much of politics and this is part of the problem with American life of how political it's become the question is not how to handle evil right like we can debate there's a health right the healthy debate you want to have David is how to handle evil Matt you need to be realistic about how we handle these things and I think that is a 100 even if you're even if you're the pessimist that is at least a 100 percent useful pursuit right and um and peter you're taking it from more of a pastoral angle but again that is something that is done in in the real world but i think on on at this point so much of american politics the debate is not how to handle evil the debate is what do we call evil Right. That's that's where I'm like, that is where I'm that is where I see these clear lines. It's not in it's not in the well, what would the laws about adultery really be if we were going to to uphold a Christian ethical standard in our society? I don't know, but but that's that would be a political question. And if people in my church were disagreeing over that, I would go, well, okay. I mean cool it everybody I, you know i would probably have this i would probably go to the other side on this but i i just don't i don't think that's where we are um and i think that tim keller forged a path of unity that i potentially i think is just no longer relevant that does not take for
0: account where where we are so yeah and i think so what i want to do is you know uh, maybe just add one more Step two is it's come up a couple of times, like what exactly like what is he doing? You know, that's kind of what we come to a lot with some of these tweets, like what's going on? What's he doing? And um, you can like, obviously, his first tweet seems to be, hey, I want people to be unified in the church. But the overall tenor of what he's doing, you know, he's it is you know, being what I said, it's it's very condescending toward those who disagree with him, right? They can't, they must not have any kind of worked out understanding of politics. Um, and that might be true on some, but the fact that you come at it um, with that kind of condescension makes me think you're not actually here for unity. So then what are you here for? I think he's here to cover for those who have a bad conscience because they are actively supporting people that are doing grievously evil things in our country. I really do. Like, that's what I think is going on now. I don't know that, like, I don't think that he's consciously maybe like saying, yep, that's what I'm trying to do. I just think that that is the, that's at least the, like, you know, uh, kind of meta level of what's going on here. I think that's what's, I think that's what's happening, um, and I would understand the pressure of doing that. Maybe if I was in a, a different place with a different kind of church, um, where like you, everybody who comes through the doors is just surrounded by this stuff all the time. Um, you know, as far as you know, uh, the kind of wildly pro-abortion uh, kinds of activities that you might find in a place like New York City. But that's that's what I think it's coming down to. Which again would necessarily lead me to a nay.
1: I, and I think what I would have to be talked out of for my view is, is that I'm that I'm applying that I'm applying something to the church that shouldn't be applied to the church, rather than a, uh, that I've created a good program for um, um, political action in the United States because I I I I do not I do not confess to think I I can do that very well I you know I do not have a. Expertise or or the aspersions to think that um I could uh you know had as great an impact on the pro life causes Donald Trump did so there's my uh there's my joke of the night for everybody just to um but okay <laughs> why don't we throw this back to David and Peter on this issue and then we will just we'll go back around I'm not, I'm not gonna join in this one well I'll join in where with where I am and we can uh give our closing. Our closing pitch.
3: So whether we, I think I'm going to stay on the yay. Um, yep. Tell us why we'll stay on the yay. Cause I'm just out of uh, Christian brotherhood for our brother, Tim, uh, uh, Tim Keller, that he is um, he is trying to uh, maintain the unity uh, of the church, which is an admirable thing. And so while it may be somewhat clumsy uh, and may be ultimately impossible, given some of the some of the issues they chose to try to forge that unity, that uh, at the end of the day,
1: it's it's worth trying. David, what do you want to where do you want to leave it? You can go further. You can say you can bring up new things or you can go further, whatever you would like here.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'll make it a little personal and and it's kind of why I'm sticking with Ye as well. So I've been following politics since 1991, okay? And have been, um, for the first half of that, I was uh, a fairly standard issue Republican conservative. Um, I'm politically homeless now, ever since about 2006. now, w- one of the things that I've discovered is that all, a lot of the things that I thought I knew how, how the world actually works and, and what politicians were actually saying and how, how power actually operates have been, in my mind, completely debunked and completely uh, mm-hmm. uh, negated. Okay, so um, I'm very, very um, uh, not pessimistic, but the amount of the amount of knowledge that that somebody would have to have in order to say definitively, I know the politics of the situation, I know what's up up here, I can, I can make a right or wrong decision on the politics, not on doctrine. Okay. We have, we all agree abortion is wrong. Okay. And that you should not procure one nor should you cause one. All right. Like that's I'm not even that's not enough for debate. Um, But but to say that you have the wisdom, the knowledge, the whatever to say, I know exactly what is right in politics, and I therefore can stand as judge over you, requires a level of knowledge that I don't even know is possible. My younger self would have said absolutely that's possible. My older self says, eh, I don't. There's so many things I know I don't know, and there's so many things that are no longer. Uh, what i think there, and i'm not even talking like opinions you know things that are that, that tend to be largely in the realm of fact like for that reason i i i think in a spirit of christian charity and humility you you almost have to say you, you have to give people the latitude on on purely political matter on these pragmatic political issues mm-hmm. anyway i'll leave it at that
3: andrew uh, a- and i'm just gonna I want to say one to thing it. real quick because I loved what you said, David, and that I think the homelessness—I, um, I very much like you, younger self, very clear, older on the political side, very homeless. Mm. But I also believe that as as we grow in our sanctification and the Christian life, that we find ourselves homeless often on many things.
1: Mm. Andrew Michael, uh, how do you guys? What do you, What's your reaction to to that? Um, Particular perspective.
4: Uh, I think it was kind of it's interesting, especially to like hear David share a little of his personal experience. I've had something of an opposite experience. I used to lean a lot more, uh, you could almost say, liberal and progressive on these issues. A lot of the um, things that, like Tim Keller is saying and that kind of things are the kind of things I used to say and I used to believe and. I would even used to try to even rationalize things like abortion and and gay marriage and that kind of thing a long time ago at the end of the day, like as, uh, you know, the spirit, you know, convicted me of what I believed. Um, you know, one of the things of Christianity is a renewing of the mind. And I just realized it wasn't tenable, but another thing too, you know, I want to come back to where I started is, uh, you know, we are, you know, Tim Keller's a Presbyterian minister and he believes scripture and he subscribes a confession. And when we're talking about what unifies us or divides us, these are the lines of unity that we have drawn. Um, I mean, a little different, like I'm in the URC, we do the three forms of unity, but scripture and confession are what we're unified in. And I think what Keller's doing here falls short of what scripture and confession demands. Now I'm a little sympathetic to him because New York city, I'm sure has to be a very difficult place to try to make any kind of faithful witness for Christ just because of the culture and the politics of that place. But we're also living in an age of moral chaos. That's taking over Uh, the, I don't think the world is I don't think what the world needs right now is more blurring and more let's push to the side differences. I think the world is crying out for and is desperate for moral courage and moral clarity. And as Christians, we know where that is found. It may cost us. It may be difficult for us to deliver that, but we can. And I think where we can within our spheres of influence, we ought
0: to Michael, what do you think? So this probably isn't the ideal discussion while I was distracted with the baby. Um, I was just trying to look up um, and I didn't get a chance to find it. Uh, but I, I did see somebody uh, sharing in regards to some of these things, the, the uh, language of the Westminster Larger Catechism and what it says about uh, the duties that you know we are required when it comes to things like idolatry, just thinking about that aspect of, of Keller Suite. Um, so I'm you know, I'm going to uh, stay. Uh, a nay on this one I maybe feel even more strongly on a nay after the discussion Um, but um, I do think that you know this is the kind of discussion that is needed if we want to have that like more consistent uh, this is actually how we should think about these things I think this is actually exactly how to do it Mm.
1: and I I, I, what I think and we'll see if anyone especially from the nay side they agree with me is the kinds of political difference that I actually think there, I can basically maintain unity over are the political differences. Perhaps if there are, if there even are some is that whatever differences Peter and David may have expressed, I feel no, right. I feel no um, threat to, you know, um, Christian fellowship over what they're expressing. Um, I just think that Keller's principle, I know he's sigh, I guess I used a bad example. I think it doesn't work with examples because it's a his principle is not working, is not a way of going forward. I think that,, um, but I don't, but I don't feel that way about ne- neither what David is expressing, nor what Peter is expressing. I just don't think that is the, that that is that that encompasses what is all going on and the kinds of political action that i think tim keller is calling for unity across and so that is my nay that's a round table i guess that's a wrap any uh any thoughts on on joining your first restless roundtable before we leave anybody
0: Restless round table uh,
1: has a great ring to it so it does
4: yeah i uh i appreciate you know being on and getting to talk with you gentlemen about this and uh you know it's a lot to think about and a lot to try to parse through and i appreciate what all of you have brought to the table and yeah
0: maybe it's a good time to say hey this like this is a discussion that's been going on like i don't know for multiple days at this point um through honestly i haven't even kept up with it all uh but on our uh you know patreon telegram group so that's a great way to get in on some of this outside of the roundtables
1: So I'd like to thank everyone for coming. I'm glad we had everyone we have here. Uh, I think it was great. So everyone stay on Tim Keller watch. I don't imagine this is the last episode that will occur.